Good morning. Good to see all of you guys here this morning. Um, they asked me to open us up in prayer. I'm happy to do that. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Thankful for you guys. Uh, you give us the youth that we've got here that I'm always in charge of, and they're ever growing. So we've got more and more of them. Excited to see what the Lord's got for them in the next couple of weeks with church camp coming up and uh, everything else that we've got planned. So uh, if you don't mind, probably me. If you don't mind, let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to get everybody to stand. And I'm going to stand, and I'm going to get and I'm gonna open us up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for allowing us uh, to come into your house today to worship. Lord, I hope that we can continue to lift you up, not only in worship, but in all things that we do. Thank you for the mothers that are here. Thank you for the children that are here. Uh, Lord, we know this is a special day, and we hold it accordingly. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us in our lives. Uh, as Daryl brings the message, Lord, we pray that we can uh, take it. Use it, apply it to our lives, and uh, just help us change ourselves. As we look out uh, through everything else going on in the world, help us to look and see inside of us first. Help us change us, and that will allow us to, uh, to love others and then to, uh, to seek you in, in all that we do. Uh, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. in my soul
than the morning or the sound of the rain from the mouth of the preacher and the sinner the same tender as a whisper but loud in its refrain may it hang on my lips for the rest of my days there is something about the name of Jesus. It sounds like forgiveness, sounds like amazing grace. It beckons my soul to sing forever. There's just something about that name. Pray it over family when we rise and when we sleep. We speak it over sorrow. Is given peace. We sing it in the famine. We're in prosperity. May we never forget that He's all that we need. There is something about the name of Jesus. It sounds like forgiveness, sounds like amazing grace. It beckons my soul.
the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus on the mountains, in the valley. shadows of the alleys there was jesus seated this morning. Okay, if you have your Bible, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 7. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we will go back to going through the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 4, and that's a week away, and a lot of things can happen, but I think it will probably be just one verse, the first verse, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What you just think about that verse. If you're here next week, I, I encourage you always to read ahead, be thinking ahead, praying ahead, and just see what the Holy Spirit says to you uh, as we go through the book Matthew. Anyway, next week, Lord willing, Matthew 4, 1. So this morning, a little different, Mother's Day, Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. 1, 1 through 7, and I always try to do this every special day. I try to speak to all of us. I realize that it is a special day, and I do want to especially speak to the moms, but I want the men in the room, the dads in the room, the single people in the room, the teenagers, the children, I want it to be for all of us, okay? Having said that, let me, I know I'll step out of frame here a little bit, but there are Mother's Day gifts on the table. Ladies, please, on your way out, take them all. I don't want one of you to take them all. I just want all of you to take them, them all. But let's just, let's just not have any, any left. So you're welcome to take as many as you like on your way out. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Let me introduce this just a little bit. This is uh, probably most of you know Paul talking to Timothy writing a letter to Timothy, his, he calls him his beloved son in the faith. They're not, Timothy's not his biological son, it's his father, uh, son in the faith. Probably Paul led him to the Lord. Here's what I want you to, to know. <clears throat> the whole book makes more sense if you know this. This is the last book, last letter that Paul wrote, and he wrote it obviously to an individual, to Timothy. Uh, he only wrote three three letters, technically four, uh, two, letters to, two letters to Timothy, one letter to Titus, one letter to Philemon, individuals. The last letter that he wrote, the second letter to T Timothy, he's writing from prison. Okay, not so much unusual about that. Paul writes a lot of letters from prison. This is the last one. This is the last time he'll be in, in prison. The Bible doesn't say it. From history, we think that he's probably in the Mamertine dungeon when he, when he writes this. Basically, it's a glorified hole in the, in the ground. So they lower him into the Mamertine dungeon, and he writes this. This is his, these are his last words. 
This book has the famous line, uh, I've fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith, right? He's writing to Timothy knowing that he's dying, knowing this is it. He had gotten out of prison before. He knows he's not going to get out of this one, okay? And he will die there. He will be taken from the Mamertine dungeon and uh, killed, okay? And, and, and he knows it. So when you read the book of Second Timothy, as you read it, you know that makes a little more sense, some of the things that he says. The, the, the phrase, you know, I've fought the good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. That's not just a cute phrase to say. He, he means it, okay? These are the last words of somebody who knows he's going to die. Now, none of you are really in that spot. But I'm asking you to use your imagination. What would you say? What would you write? You have one letter to write. One letter to one person. What are you going to say? This is your last one. And this kind of sums up your life. You, in your, whatever it is, no doubt, if you're in that position and you're in that situation, only the most important things come to the top. You don't care about the cardinals, okay? You don't care about the price of gas. Well, price of gas is high, you know. No, you don't care about that. You don't care about much of anything except some really, really important things. The important things come to the top the closer you come to the end, okay? And he's right there at the end. So let that thought, the truth of that, settle in as you read the book. And he's only going to talk to Timothy about the most important things. He's not going to talk about petty things. He's going to talk, you know, the truth is, and I know, none, none of us know when the end for us is. And so I know it's, it's easy to say, uh, there's a point I'm, I'm, I'm going to make here. It's easy for us to say that we ought to live like it's our last day. The truth is, none of us can actually do that because we don't actually think it is our last day. And I get the point, and I understand it, but I, wish, I really do wish we could get closer to it. And here's my point. When we come to church... I wish we could talk less about petty things, okay? I knew I wasn't going to get an amen on that one. I wish we could talk less about petty things because we're around the family of faith and all of us in the faith are going home and we're closer and we're closer and you're one day closer today. This isn't one day more. This is one day less. And you're closer, and you're closer. And every week, and, and it really dawns on me, and I know, I know it, age has something to do with that. I'm closer than I ever was. I know it, it has something to do with it, but it has something to do with it, all right? And I just, I just want us, when you come to church, now if you want to be petty all day long when you're outside of church, that, that's up to you. But I'm asking you, when you come into the Lord's house, you're dealing with the family of faith, and everybody in the faith is getting closer and closer. Let's act like it. Let's talk about the most important things. Brother, sister, how are you? And mean it. Brother, sister, how are you? Can I help you? Can I, can I pray for you? Okay? That was free. Hadn't planned on that. First, uh, Second Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 7. But when we read it, maybe it will strike a chord with you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there. According to the promise of life. I thought you said he's getting ready to die. Yes. Paul's the one that came up with the phrase that death is swallowed up by life. Death is swallowed up by life. I love that phrase. Death is swallowed up by life. According to the promise of life. Now God has revealed to Paul that he's going to die. Paul says exactly 
death will be swallowed up by life according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, not a biological, but a son in the faith, I love you. I love you. Okay? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Now as we read through here, the title of the message is, is uh, When I Remember You. When I Remember You. And so I want you to look at the ways Paul uses that remembrance. It, all, it won't always be the word remember, but it's all going to mean the same thing. I thank my God and serve with pure conscience as my forefathers did without ceasing. I never stop. I just can't seem to stop. I remember you in my prayers night and day. I don't think that Paul's just writing a cute phrase here. I think he means it. Why? Because this is the last letter, as far as we know, that he's ever going to get, get to write. He's not, he's not here to be cute. He's not here to be, to be petty. He said, son, I love you. And I cannot seem to get you out of my mind. And I'm praying for you night and day. I'm remembering you in my prayers. And I just can't seem to stop. Well, yeah, the closer you get to the end, that's what happens. Things become more, more focused in. You, you lose a lot of the petty. So you're not thinking about other things. He's thinking about his son and the faith. And verse 3, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, I remember your tears that I may be filled with joy. I wish I'd get to see you again, but I'm not going to. I remember your tears. Now, there are tears of sadness and there are tears of joy. These are not tears of joy because they're contrasted with joy in that verse. These are tears of, of, tears of sadness that Timothy had. We're not sure, but we're going to come back and talk, to that, talk about that more. When I call to remembrance, I remember. I call to remembrance the genuine faith, and we're going to come back and talk about that. That is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. I wonder how many preachers today are using that verse. A lot of them. I remember, I'm not only remembering you, I even remember your mother and your grandmother and the genuine faith, and there, we'll talk about that more, not just faith, but the genuine faith that they had. I remember them so well. They made an impression on me. Your mother made an impression on me. Your grandmother made an impression on me, and part of the impression they made on me is you, man. I'm not a mom, but I'm a dad. I'm not a grandma, but I'm a grandpa. And it, it just feels so good when people say that, that uh, I make an impression on them because of my children. So I remember your grandmother, your mother, and I remember the faith that they had, and I'm persuaded has been passed on to you. I can see you in your mother's faith. And I can see you in your grandma's faith. It doesn't happen very often, but isn't that, wouldn't that be a great thing if the family could love each other and raise each other and pass the faith on like that? Now, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, I want you to remember, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. There's a whole message right there. But remember the gift of God that is in you. What God has done for you. What God has called you to. Remember that. Don't forget it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power. Of love. And a sound mind. Somewhere along the line. Timothy struggled with that. Okay. Struggled with that. And Paul reminds him to stir up that gift. There's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. If you have a hard copy this morning, most of it will be 
on the screen. I want to go back to the first two things that I mentioned about remembering you in our, remember you in my prayers. I remember you in my prayers constantly. Why? Because Timothy was a person who, who needed that. There's probably, well, there had to be a whole lot of people that Paul could be praying for. And I'm not saying that Timothy is the only one that he prayed for. But, you know, we're, we are limited as humans. We can only do so much. Only, you know, we can, seriously, we can only pray so much. But Timothy, I guess you say, is at the top of the list. So he's praying for, Paul said, I'm praying for you constantly. I'm not sure what all was going on in Timothy's life, but Paul could see it, and it burdened him. Paul was burdened for him. Nothing wrong with that. Let's go to the next one, because they, they tie together. I remember your tears. It's not tears of joy. Your sadness, your weakness, your burden, your humanness. And we're going to stay right here for a minute. And as we read toward the end, Paul's encouraging to Timothy. Timothy had some weaknesses, some things that he needed to work on. That's what Paul said, you know, stir up the gift, some things he needed to work on. And, and Paul needed to, uh, felt like he needed to pray for him. So Timothy had some weaknesses, some humanness. We'll talk to you about that, your weakness. Uh, a couple of years ago, be several years ago now, time flies, I preach a lot of funerals. And I really, that, that helps me. It's kind of weird to say that, but that helps me. It helps me keep life in perspective. Death helps keep, me, keep life in perspective for me. So I preach a lot of funerals, and at the, the funeral, I, I, was, I noticed a few years ago, as long as a, a certain man who passed away, I did his funeral, was I paid more attention than I usually do. And everybody I've ever done a funeral for has somebody who loves them. But some people have very few who love them. And some have a host of people who love them. Some people, there, there's always at least one who remembers the one who passed away. But sometimes it's just about one. And some people have a host of people who remember them. The person I was doing the funeral for had all these people who loved him and cried and just loved him. And, and I, th I thought, why? Why? What is it about that man that people love so much? And I began to, you know, I just thought back through about the people, the the funerals I've done and, the, and the, the remembrances, people who remembered them, loved them so much, and, and then some, there's always a few, but not many. Why? Why some for more than the others? There's a lot of re reasons why. It has nothing to do with strength. It has nothing to do with strength. It has rather to do with weakness. And it dawned on me that people don't love me and people don't love each other according to their strength. Now in the United States especially, I mean we're inundated with the thought of being strong. And never show your weakness. Always show your talent. Always, you know, and a lot of us don't think that we have much that we can do for the Lord because we're so weak in places. And there's so many things that we can't do. So many things that we don't do well. If you ask me to name the top ten things that I do well, I'm going to struggle with that. If you ask me to name the top ten things that I don't do well, I can fly through that list. And most of you are like that. We see ourselves more as weak, and we, and we want to hide that. We, we want to only show our strength. And I get it because I'm a human just like you. And I get it because I live in, in, live in the United States just like you. And everybody, uh, everybody's taught and trained to only let people see your strength. But that's not why they love you. 
And I've noticed down through the years. And I, so I just kind of started really paying attention to that. And the people that I've seen and the people that I know and that I love so much, I mean, I can see it in myself. I don't love them because of their strength, but rather their weakness. Uh, this one, uh, I was going to say this at the first, but I didn't know if I could get through it and don't know that I can now, but this is the first Mother's Day in my life without my mom, okay? She passed away, pa passed away in the fall. I'm trying not to just make it all about gush, you know, and I don't know if you know what gush means, but I want there to be some content to it, not just, you know, gush. So I'm just going to try to work through this. But uh, so for 60 years, every mom's day, I've been there or I've called her, or, you know, I don't get to do that. Okay, a lot of you are in the same boat. My mom was about five foot tall. Uh, I've been stronger than my mom almost my whole life. She was just really small, really frail. Do I think less of her because she was weaker than I am? Of course not. Nobody does. In fact, I thought more of her. I think it made me love her more. She was little Mom, you know. Nobody loves you because of your strength. I really want you to get that because that is the truth. They might admire you. They might respect you a little bit. They might fear you. <laughs> My little mom, I just, I seriously... I don't ever remember being afraid of her. Now, Dad, different story. I don't ever remember being afraid of Mom. But there's no way I would ever backtalk her. Every, did every child in the room get that? There is no way I would ever backtalk her. But I wasn't scared of her. I love her. Nobody loves you because of your strength. Nobody. And when the end comes, you will be remembered and loved actually for your weakness, not your strength. I don't know anywhere else in the world you're going to hear that. Okay? There's nowhere on the news, there's nowhere on any kind of sales this and sales that. There's no sales pitch in the culture we live in that's going to tell you stuff like that. Because what I just said is the opposite of what our culture is trying to cram down your throat. But what I told you is the truth. You are loved more for your weakness than for your strength. I hadn't thought about this. I, I told a Sunday school class I was going to do this. I hadn't thought about this until about two weeks ago. It's never dawned on me before. When Gabriel, the mother of Je when Gabriel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, the message was God needs a mother, a biological mother for his only son. God needs a mother for the Messiah. And God has picked you. And Mary, you know, stunned, shocked. How can this be? I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. How can this be? God, God can't use me because of the way I am. God can't use me because of the way I am. Any of you feel like that? Gabriel, you, somewhere in heaven, God made a mistake when He picked me. Somebody messed up. Gabriel, are you sure you heard him right? God can't use me because of the way I am. It can't be. And Gabriel said, no, sister, you've got it wrong. It's because of the way you are that God picked you. It's because of who you are that God picked you. 
You think that because of the way you are, God can't use you. But that's exactly what God might be trying to do, is use exactly the part of you that you think God can't use. You've got it all turned around, just like our culture does. You've got it all turned around thinking that it's your strength that makes the Apostle Paul write the last letter of his life to you. That surely he would pick the best preacher. Surely he would pick the most spiritual man. Surely he would pick the person that's got everything on the ball. But Paul didn't do that. He probably picked perhaps maybe the worst one. The one that needed the most encouragement. The one that needed this, this word from God. It could be, it could be that that thing that you think is holding you back, that thing that you can't think you, that you think you can't do, that thing that you think you aren't, is exactly what God is looking for. If you'll open your eyes and just let the Lord do His work. And so here I am, and we're going to get on to, in fact, let's just move on to genuine Faith, and we're going to go through this pretty quick because I want to get down to the bottom of it. I remember your genuine faith. No sense in me staying here because we're coming back. So let's go on. I remember your genuine faith, and I'm not going to stay here long. And now you remember your gift. Now, if you can make it through today and really get what the Holy Spirit just said to you, that he may want to use you in ways that you never dreamed of because you just can't see yourself ever being able to do it because of all your failures, all your weakness, all your humanness. Just there's no way God could do that through me. If you can ever work your way through that and finally just receive what the Holy Spirit has for you and then begin to do it, then I want you to remember your gift. Remember your calling. Okay, go, we're going to go back because this is the central part of the message, the genuine faith. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, what the Amplified Bible does, I don't have one up here, but what the Amplified Bible does is it, it takes God's, God's original written word, and for instance, in the New Testament, it would be in Greek, and it takes those words and it amplifies it. It explains the Bible more of what genuine faith means genuine faith in the amplified bible says the leaning of your entire personality on god in christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power wisdom and goodness here's what i want you to get i want you to get here because i want to get here i'm trying to get here i'm trying to get to that genuine faith the leaning of your entire personality on God and Christ. Why? Because I can't do it on my own. Because I am too weak. I am not strong enough. I am not good enough. I have sinned too much. I have messed up too much. I have, and just, right? The list just goes on and on. I'm not enough. I never have been. I never will be. All of that is absolutely true. So what do you do? You lean your entire personality on God instead of yourself. God in Christ. I, I like the way they add, added that. On God, on leaning entirely, leaning entirely on God in Christ. That is genuine faith, not a fake. Fake faith is having is a belief in God, but still doing it on your own. It's believing that God has the power to do it, but not allowing Him to do it in your life. Well, I see him doing, doing it in other pe people's lives, but I just can't ever see him. Well, then it's not really gotten down to that genuine faith point, part, point yet. When it's still a little bit of you, then it's not genuine faith. Well, I'm not there yet. But I'm working on it, and the Holy Spirit's working on it with me. We're trying to get there. Leaning your entire personality on God in Christ in absolute, I like the way, I just love the way the Amplified puts that. 
entirely and absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. You're already getting that, right? It's the trust, the confidence in His power, not yours. Okay, I think I've hammered that long enough. Paul writes to Timothy, said, I remember your genuine faith. I remember your struggles. I remember your tears. I've been praying for you, but I remember the faith that was in your, your parents. I remember the faith that was in your grandparents, the genuine faith. And Paul wrote that on purpose. And I am convinced is in you. That's where I want to get. That's where I want to get. The title of the message today is When I Remember You. Here it is. There's no way around it. It's coming a day. We're not going to be here. And somebody's going to remember you. What are they going to remember? Oh, they did that well and that. Okay, that's not going to draw much of a crowd. People don't love you because of that. People love you because of the weakness and the Jesus that they see in you. That's what I've seen. The Jesus that they see in you. Genuine faith. When I remember you, what will I remember? Okay, we're going to get ready to pray. I'm not asking the band to come just yet. We're going to get ready to pray, but I'm heading that way, all right? If you're here this morning and you're looking at that verse about genuine faith, if you're the person here this morning who says, that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't, I don't want anything else. That's what I want. I want to be the person who's learned to lean their entire personality on God in Christ. Absolute trust and confidence. Not a little bit, but absolute. That's what I want. That's the person that I want to be. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's the person that I want to be. I want you to remember. When you remember me, I want you to remember that. Christ in me. Okay. Well, what's that take? A decision to be that? A decision to start that? Now, doesn't it, the end is not going to happen this morning. If you come and pray, you're not going to get up from an altar and say, All right, hey, got it, got it. Hey, I got it. No, you're not. What you ought to say when you get up from the altar is, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm closer than, than I was. I haven't got it yet, but I'm heading there. But what you can do this morning is make that decision. That's what I want. That's it. This is more than just for moms, more than just for dads. This is for everybody. This is for everybody. How are people going to remember you? That's what I want. I'm going to make a decision this morning that I'm going to, with, with the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I'm going to start heading that way. I'm going to make changes in my life. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit cha make changes in my life. I'm going to quit trying to act so strong. I'm going, to quite, I'm going to quit trying to act so fake. I'm going to quit trying to be somebody else. And just let the Holy Spirit work through me just as I am. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And we're going to get ready to, to pray. The song we're going to sing is Goodness of God. And I don't know, probably don't even need to tell you this. But I want to tell you before you stand. We kind of kicked this song around because the message this morning is kind of, kind of heavy. And the song is, is more upbeat. And I thought, first of all, I thought, you know, that's a, it's a great song, Goodness of God. We love to sing that song. But I'm not sure the song matches the message. But the more I thought about it, I said, yeah. First of all, 
I don't ever want to disagree, disagree with the band. That's, it's not healthy. It doesn't get me very, very far. So whatever they pick, pick out is pr pretty much what I try to do. And the band saying, well, he's lying about that. No, I, I, we pretty much try to do that. But I thought, no, the, the song doesn't match the message, but that song's where I want to be. It may not be where I'm at this morning, but that's where I want to be. This morning I may have come into the Lord's house just all tied up in myself, all worried about myself and, and all, you know, how, what I can't, you know, I need to get rid of all that. Just, just point towards God in Christ. The goodness of God. That's where I want to be. I want to stop thinking so much about me and start thinking about Him. I want to stop thinking so much about me and start thinking about you. How can I help you? How can I let Him work through me to help you? This morning it may just be a simple decision. I need to come to the altar and pray. I need to come this morning and pray about me. I need to come this morning and pray about me. Hey, listen, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't need to pray because I'm all right. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not all right. You think, see, the fact that you think you are, just you've been fooled. There's something wrong with all of us. There's something wrong with all of us. All of us have to make some decisions along the way. Look, I'm going to quit being like that. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to put all my person out and lean all myself on Jesus. I'm going I'm to trust in Him completely, not partly, all the way. Some of you might need to take a step this morning going all the way. Stand with me if you would. We're going to. This is an altar prayer. You can have a. You can kneel. You can come to a seat and sit. You can stand and pray. As they play and sing. If you want to spend some time with the Lord this morning just talking about you and Him. You need to come and pray. We invite you to come.